Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, an occasional, often opaque oratory overview of Norwich City's outings this season. Tonight, we are joined by regular Sunnyside-up pundit Lorne. Hey, we. And the lovely other, sort of, slightly more ordinary pundit. Pun- Cheers. And we are also joined by one of the finest local wordsmiths on the beat, Connor Southwell. Hello. If you haven't already stumbled across Connor's musings on the My Football Writer website, amongst others already, you're not doing the internet right. Uh, we've reached the second international break, which means you join us in a reflective mood. We're a quarter of the way through the season, and so we've probably seen enough of the Canaries and half of the other teams in the league to be able to pass some fairly accurate judgment. Saturday. But before all that, though, we must discuss the departure today. So, uh, it turns out that Steve Stone is off um, to seek a new challenge, which is a very polite way of saying we'd like you to seek a new challenge. Yep. Um, we've discussed prior to pressing record that none of the four of us have got any in the nose stuff that's worth talking about um, on, on this. So we've only really got what the, our, our lovely colleagues at Archant have, have delivered us. However, a couple of things that I'll kind of start off the, the chat on it with. Um, I think it's interesting, whilst it's not a surprise that uh, Zoe and Mr. Zoe are both kind of elevated in their positions, um, something that a lot of people thought was, was, was coming a mile off a, a while ago. Um, I think it's interesting that they, they, they've made a point to say that there is now a kind of report up system in place. I, there's an executive committee that will report into the board regularly rather than them being on a, a level footing with, with kind of the other members of the board, etc. I thought that might be a way of trying to downplay that yet more nepotism is, is at play in, in the boardroom at Norwich City. What do you think, Punt? I think that's an interesting angle that you've gleaned from the, the club's publicity um, today. It, it does pose the question, who's in charge? Because there's not one clear mandate for someone to, to take over affairs in terms of the, the business. Is that um, not Ben? Well, is it? I don't know. I mean, it's not really clear, is it? Chief Operating Officer, I don't really know what that job title means, short of just being in charge of operations. But I know little of him. I, I've met him once and he seemed like a nice bloke. But, yeah. No, proof's in the pudding. Give it six months and we'll see where we are. But proof isn't in the pudding. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. I hate it when people get that phrase wrong. Continue. I was pretty much done. So you, <laughs> you get on to your twatty pedantry, mate. You're good. It's not twatty, don't. Stop no, getting the phrases wrong. It's definitely twatty. Connor, thank you for joining us. Uh, please, <laughs> we offer an opinion that isn't bickering uh, along the lines of, of, of why this is a fantastic step forward for our beloved football club. Um, I'm not sure I can offer that, to be honest. I, th- I think it's a, an interesting step, maybe one that is a bit more for the short term um, rather than the long term. I think Steve Stone was always the man who was going to lead Norwich through these this dark period in terms of finances, and now he's gone. The answers seem to uh, to have been diverted into different places, so um, not too sure. Um, I, I interviewed Ben Kensel at the start of the season, and he seemed really switched on. That's all I have. Thank you very much for that in-depth overview. Uh, you can go now. Uh, and David McNally's publicly endorsed him, so he has, which which was take that as, mu- like. as much of a slack to Steve Stone as, as there possibly could yeah. be, really. And that's the only way that I can take that. And um, bear in mind, he, he keeps silent on most other move comings and goings at the club. Um, the 
the fact that we've got an AGM so close, as Dave Freezer, formerly of this uh, podcast parish, uh, said on, on his pink and uh, rap on the subject earlier today, that's perfect timing. Uh, we're going to obviously see what the payoff is, uh, and we're going to be able to see uh, exactly maybe how... Well, they're they're going to have the opportunity to ask questions that, if it had happened a different time of year, we might have had to wait a long time for the answers to. We're now well into the season. We've had a look at you know half the teams we're going to face uh, this season. Um, I'll, I'll throw it out there for straight away with with a really basic um, and blatant award. Um, if the season ended tomorrow, who's your player of the season so far, Lorne? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. <clears throat> That is a very good question, and I'm not buying time while I try and think of an answer. I think Pookie, probably, just given his little run recently. Because he looks like you. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. got to be something to do with it. Yeah. If anyone yeah. wants any um, player appearances, I can I can dress up in full kit and come along. Different no, question. No, a Pookie party t-shirt. <laughs> a reasonable fee. <laughs> who, is, um, who is... Are there any other players that you've looked more similar to... Um, in in your time as fandom at Norwich City, or is he is he the closest doppelganger to you? I think he's probably the closest doppelganger who, to. You. I've got quite a the, unique who is the Swedish down look. Who is the Swedish Matthias Johnson? Yeah, you were a little bit upside down face like Matthias Johnson. I was a lot younger then. Right, okay. so With I hair. didn't really look like him. And I yeah. Oh, hair. did you have hair then? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, but what I would tell Pookie to go back to uh, my look like is that like Zimmerman... how he introduces himself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, better. Uh, like Zimmerman last season, he's been the one that's kind of most surprised me in terms of what I was kind of expecting and then what we've got from him, which is why Pookie jumps straight to the top of my tongue. Um, I think Tetty and Leitner... Tip of the tongue, I think you'll actually find. I hate it when people get that phrase wrong. Connor, people don't often, can you, Connor, people can don't you, don't can often get you? that phrase wrong. Um, for me... Probably based on the last five games, Stephenman would be there. Um, probably Leitner as well. I think he's, he's grown into it probably since Ipswich, really. Leitner um, seems to be this season's uh, Marmite player. Uh, he seems to have got right up the nose of some some people and they don't seem to be appreciating no, but him. Yeah, but I think I can see that. In the first three or four games, he looked, I think I've said it on this pod before, very Graham Dorans-esque in terms of he had all the technical ability. He wasn't influencing games Better enough. looking than Graham Dorans. Yeah, I'll give you that. Um... But he is influencing games now. He is getting his foot on the ball and actually finding people in more dangerous areas. So I think actually everyone's been fairly happy with him now. Well, it was only after the Stoke game I saw some um, twats on Twitter um, saying that, that, that he didn't move the ball fast enough. And that he seems to be, when in the, in the absence of a more obvious whipping boy, he seems to be the, the, the way that people seem to have gone. But whereas other, other ones, and I'm in, in, I've been a Mo Lighton fan from the start, um, I, I always wanted him to have a bigger part in the team and he was, with Madison's departure, the guy I was hoping was going to benefit the most from it. And I, I think his performances have kind of shown that. The, with the exception of going back to Connor's point, Steeperman, he's the guy that seems to have benefited most from Madison going. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we said it on the last pod, it was like he wasn't even a professional footballer last year. He really does seem to have kicked on. So so who else is, uh, who else is, in, is in the surprise category for you, Connor? Um... Tetty as well. I think Tetty's improved this year um, in, in terms of what he does with the ball. He's now a bit more forward-thinking as well. So I, I'd definitely put Tetty in that category, I think. Max Ammons as well. Yeah, Max Ammons, yeah. Is a obvious, appeared from nowhere, suddenly excellent, really good player. Um, I'd also add closer into that as well. And I think he's looked much better in the, than he has done at any other point mm-hmm. in his Norwich career. He suddenly looks like a defender who's willing to 
mix it up a bit in the championship, but he's still got that composure on the ball to pick a pass. Yeah, I think he's had a bit more responsibility, hasn't he? Which I think he looks like he thrives off. I think next to the hand, he's, he's probably a bit less responsible than, than he is against Zimmerman, who he's got to lead through games and in, in a young back four as well. He's got a lot more responsibility. He's got to be that captain in that back four, which I think he seems to be thriving under, really. That's my biggest surprise of the season so far, uh, is that we don't look awful without Hanley. Um, you know, mo- most people, when we found out that it was going to be a few weeks rather than a few days out, we all just thought, well, this is going to be four nils for, for the next couple of months until we get him back. So the fact that Closer seems to have improved, the fact that Zimbo has stepped in with absolutely no problem at all. Okay, boys. All right, bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. See you. It was nice to see you. Bye, See you. Don't have kids, guys. Um, yeah, so that, that's a, that was a real that was a real surprise that that we managed to uh, look as solid as quickly as we did after losing Hanley. Was it just before the last international break? So did he have a couple of weeks to prepare without Hanley? I can't remember. Yeah, because it was, it was he played against Ipswich and that was the last game before mm. the last international break. Right, and I think right. they announced it in the international break. But right. then similarly, I think one of the big surprises for me in terms of the sort of the recent run is players that we thought were going to be crucial at the start of the season have either been injured or haven't been as crucial as maybe we thought they were going to be so uh, Godfrey is one of those I yeah. thought Godfrey would definitely be starting ahead of Teddy at the base of our midfield and obviously he hasn't really featured at all Kenny McLean looked really really good when he came on against Birmingham um, all the reports coming out of the club were that he was kind of the real deal and obviously he's got injured and was meant to be back last international break. Still no real sign of him that I've heard of. Uh, Jordan Rhodes was again like people expected him to be the talisman and he hasn't been, it's been pookie. So I think there's a lot of reasons at the moment to be optimistic and the fact that a quarter of the way through the season you can easily make a case for five or six of them as potential player of the seasons is is a really good thing. And just one other thing, on, on Leitner and being a Marmite player, I think you're always also going to have a situation at any football club, not just Norwich, where there's there's a section of the fan base who need one player to Pick hate up. and yeah. dislike. Yeah. I've got a friend, uh, really nice guy. Thanks. Good judge. <laughs> Let me continue. Really nice guy, good judge of footballing ability. Oh, not me. So it's not you. Um, and he really dislikes Todd Cantwell. And I don't understand Niche. it at all, but I think it's a similar thing. Like, when things are going well and everyone's kind of performing like a 7 or 8 out of 10 there's there's always someone I think for me it would probably be Tim Krull who I'm most concerned about in see I, I would if I had to be, if I had to be uh, your friend who doesn't know anything about football ability oh no so you say he was a good judge of football ability well I thought so until oh, I see right until well now. I would I would say that my Tim Krull uh, is uh, or my um, Todd Campbell in this case is uh, Brindia I, I think that the reason he keeps getting hooked, um, and he is the first sub for the last three or four weeks in a row, seemingly, is because actually he offers very, very little defensively. Um, and actually going forward, he's sometimes involved in the moves, but very, very rarely, to the extent that I can't currently think of one, he's not the guy creating the chance in the end. He might be involved in a move that three or four people are involved in, to which Lightning then puts something across, Steepenman puts something across, Timu cuts the ball back. I can't remember many great deliveries from him or many shots that have tested the keeper from him in the last few weeks. So 
I, I, for me, I'm not at a stage where I'm shouting at him every week and thinking think, thinking he's awful. Um, but like you are with cruel. Um, but I, <laughs> but I do, uh, I, I do think that I am lower on him than than Sam. What about you, Connell? Yeah, I'm probably cruel as well. To be fair, if I had to pick one, um, not no confidence when he comes for crosses. Um, he's so sort of gangly, <laughs> just <laughs> limbs everywhere. I thought coming for crosses was something he did well um, in the Stoke game, and also I thought he did that well in the Scum game. Um, he was he was quite yeah. commanding in that Scum game when they were doing the only form of football. Um, congratulations, Scum, as you've won one game. Um, really important that we note note that. We have a big listener base in Suffolk. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, okay. So, uh, can you think of any particular goals of the season um, that, that that stand out? Lightners against Ipswich was a cracking little finish. When you see it on the replay, it didn't look as good live as it. That's because you it, were busy with scenes and limbs. Scenes and limbs. Yeah. I think you may have jumped on me. Yes. Which was quite a distraction. I think uh, I, I think I actually hugged you more at the end of Birmingham than I did uh, at the Ipswich goal because the Birmingham one we were on our way out. You did a lot to me when we equalised <laughs> for the second time against. I was Birmingham. so pleased not to be taking on the M6 with only with no points. <laughs> and you showed that <laughs> <laughs> forcefully. <laughs> Connor, who, who, after which goal have you been forcefully shown something this season the most? <laughs> Um, yeah, but probably Ipswich away. I know he got pushed over by loads of people. By bullies. By bullies, yeah. yeah. Bigger boys. Bigger boys, yeah. They haven't, we haven't scored that many crackers this season. We haven't scored we? that many goals. Rhodes against Wickham. That's the only one I can really think of. Yeah, yeah no, that was decent. I didn't, I didn't make that away. Can you there? No, I wasn't there, no. But it's another, it's another <laughs> thing that you can be optimistic about, I think, is that we're scoring, like... Run of the mill goals, if that makes yeah, sense. Like we're yeah. we're not reliant on worldies like we were last season. I think that that, that goes hand in hand with um, the fact that there are currently eight players that are relatively equal in terms of player of the season potential. Um, obviously, they all need to kick on a bit to to have a season that's anything like as good as those that have won it in the last few years. Um, but you know, I think we're probably heading for one of those Wes Hoolihan style ones where it's like a compilation or like a cumulative effect. Mm. Um, but the uh, at the moment, I think therefore it will probably go with one of the younger players, like a Jamal or, or someone, because of mm-hmm. if there's no if, in the absence of a real standout favourite, there will be some kind of emotional tie to it. But the fact that we are not so reliant on one person means our play doesn't always go through the same person, which also means we're not always reliant on scoring 25-yard goals, which was something I complained about a lot last season. And it was one of the main things in the season preview that I was keen to point out. I needed to see see change. So there, there are now my the list of things that I have I'm negative about Fark about is getting smaller by the week. Um, Saturday is the most positive I've felt after a defeat for many a year. Yeah, I cannot remember dominating and almost embarrassing a team that are full of that many Premier League players. Um, to the to the extent, as I tweeted at the time, they literally they were just kicking the ball away. You know, it was like watching Mourinho's Inter in the Champions League run. You know, they literally we don't want the ball. You know, we're much better without it. You know, let's go, let us go back to our you know two banks of five, and and you you play with it in your heart. And whilst last season that would have irritated me that um, that we didn't have a way of of breaking them down this season because of where it's coming the season, I do see that as slightly more of a Tip of tip of the hat respect to the fact that we are the form team, and that's what all of the opposing managers have said going into the last two or three games. Um, the the one criticism that that is still there 
uh, is that uh, plan B doesn't kick in soon enough. So close it went up front for the last yeah. three and a half minutes of injury time and we played one long ball. Um, there is absolutely no shame in wanting to win at all costs and I completely understand why you would stick to your formation, system, method of playing and coaching for 80, even 85 minutes. If, you, if, you, if you're on top as much as we were, you go, look, it's going to come in a minute. We are so on top of them. However, there comes a point where you have to go, right, lads, big lads up the top, don't care if we lose 2-0, start lumping it. Because the point is, in to get out of this league or to keep getting results in this league, you, you're going to have to turn those draws or those, those narrow defeats into, into wins and, and points. What minute was it we got the penalty against Wigan? 87? Not sure, but it's very late. It might even be eighty nine. From playing the way we've been playing. Yeah, like I say, I understand the logic of it. I totally understand why you believe in continually to doing that, and if you believe in the fitness. But I think, um, unlike the Wigan game with the Stoke game, from seventy odd minutes onwards, despite us having all of that pressure, I don't think we were actually looking like we were knocking on the door like we were in the Wigan game. We did. We were creating yeah. better chances against Wigan. Yeah, I, th- I think I was sitting there as well going, when's the point that Norwich pushed the button and pushed them then forward and go for that long ball? Because the way Stoke was set up, Norwich were never going to play through them. Um, so I think looked at it a bit like you and, and thought, well, you, you've brought Jordan Rhodes on, you've got Tim Close up front. Really now you should be looking to play the ball long. And as you say, it doesn't it doesn't matter how you get points you get them. It's why Neil Warnock teams do so well in this league because they find a way. And... Um, yeah, Norwich couldn't break Stoke down for 80 minutes, so they needed to try something else in the last 10 for me. Um, and yeah, just just didn't for whatever reason. And, and I, I get sticking with your philosophy and stuff, but sometimes, as you say, you, you have got to mix it up. Because I would have rather seen Rhodes on a lot earlier. I mean, he he would yeah. have been, he would have been my 60 minute sub, and I you know and I, I actually wanted him to start the game with with Timu. Um, I mean, I, I would have dropped Brendia and and been a bit more narrow because you're you're not going. There's no no point in trying to get down the wings and swing it in because they're they're an enormous team although they are on average slightly shorter than they were on a pure list but only just, um they are still a team of giants mm-hmm. um and but we need we did need to be able to play quickly and knock things down, and Rhodes does that as well as anyone since Holt like Rhodes is so good at hold up play and bringing people into the game and and go and playing quickly to the front. And there's no shame in it. We can play our lovely football on the edge of their box by getting to the edge of their box quickly. The point is we couldn't get to the edge of their box because we had to get through six giants first. Mm-hmm. I think there's two interesting things in there. Is one, I think you're right about like their average height is why I think we probably didn't go direct because you, it kind of feels like sinking to their level and then playing them at the game that they're better at. And I think that was highlighted by the fact that when Closer went up front at the end, Pretty quickly, he appeared on the left wing rather than being in front of the two centre halves, and I, I was frustrated at the time. I was like, "You're not needed out there, Tim. Get in the middle." But on reflecting on it since, like, I think he did that because there was probably two or three balls that went up towards him, and they just got headed back again. And he thought, "Well, I'm not getting any luck here. I'll go and try on a slightly full, smaller fullback." So, I get your point. I just don't think that that was necessarily the right approach given the opposition. Now, I appreciate I am saying that when we have tried the approach that I'm advocating and not won, which is quite a, it's not an easy leg to stand on, but I do think that just sinking to Stoke level and then playing them at their game, it might have worked, but I can I can fully understand why we didn't do that. 
Yeah, it's a fair point. I think I think Norwich had that spell in the first half as well, between about fifteen minutes and thirty-five, where it completely played Stoke off the park. And I think if you're Farky, you look at that and go, right, if they can resemble that period for the last fifteen, when Stoke are going to have tired legs and Norwich always go on about how fit they are, um, and statistically score a lot of their goals in the last fifteen minutes, that if they keep doing what they're doing, eventually they're going to score. And it, it's, it goes back to his sort of pragmatic footballing philosophy of that. If you pass the ball a lot, you're going to create more opportunities, and if you create more opportunities, eventually you're going to score. Um, so I think I think that's probably his logic behind it. I think hindsight's easy to sort of go, well, you could play it long. And although I sat in the ground at the time thinking, well, when are Norwich going to push the button? Um, but there was more patience. There was far more patience than there has been, um, and and they've earned that by that by those tactics earning results. And at the end of the day, whilst the you know we can have the um, uh, atmosphere discussion again and again um, the the patience and, and how much time fans will give a certain type of football is is actually completely you know linked to results um, but the, the fact that there was uh, really good applause and on the ball City once we conceded which actually drowned out um, Stoke celebrations um, and the fact that there was such a fantastic ovation for the players as they left the field again I can't remember that happening uh, after a kind of not even halfway through the season we don't know whether or not this was a big couple of points dropped or not you know it was a nothing game really it's still too early we're not we're not even in the playoffs at the moment etc for, for that kind of that kind of bond between the fans and the players that seems to have been generated over the last few weeks with, with the way they've been playing um, I, I think that means that even going out of the international break after that those tactics not coming off once in, in nine games he is he's he's you know he's he's vindicated in playing that way again. The the fact that we've got we've got Hernandez who instantly when he came on made a difference. The fact that we've got him to hopefully replace Brendan in my opinion, um and 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 kick on, that's the kind of X factor which is what um my old man was saying leaving the ground. We 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 really really lacked um for for most of the game we really lacked that X factor that player to do something that that Stoke actually haven't been briefed for. That they actually yeah. we haven't worked on this in training. Him suddenly cutting inside and suddenly pushing the ball past us and running. Um, and whilst obviously we brought him on, you know he did look a little bit rusty. Um, and I, I sometimes think it can be tricky for an impact player to come on when a defensive unit like that have got the goal and they've got so much stock in. No, it's all right, mate. We'll let you run in. We'll show you outside and we'll be really really disciplined and we won't dive in because what we have we hold. Let's move on to the Facebook and Twitter questions that have poured in from the uh, Nodcaster correspondence. I'm going to hand over to Lorne. Okay, so first of all, we've got Christian Wise from Facebook. And Christian asks, how confident are you that a similar slump will be avoided as compared to this time last season? And I think you probably touched on it then a little bit. Um, not very, in honesty. Um, I, I think this is... I wrote about it um, after after the game, but Norwich are, are really at a crossroads now. Where this this loss now against Stoke will show how good they are. If they can push on and beat Forest, people will start believing they can achieve something because it's that bounce back ability that Norwich didn't have last year. Um, but then you look at it; they've got more depth in the squad than they than they did last year. They've got more players on form currently than they did last year, and really it was Madison. Um, so I, th I think there's reasons to be cheerful, but. It's a tough October. It's it's what Forest, Villa, Brentford. I think is the next three. So, if not, I think we'll have a, a better idea at the end of October where Norwich stand. Yeah, I'm not confident at all that a similar stump can be avoided. 
not not to be negative on the players or Farker, just purely because it's the championship and things tend to level themselves out. All you've got to do is look at how the league has concertinaed after an initial three or four teams starting to pull away. Um, in the last four games, four or five games, we've seen everything you know go right up. Um, and you know there are now only nine teams, nine points separating you know the bottom three and us, uh, and we were only two points off the playoffs. So it's I think that what's different, Christian, and that is a good question, is the way that we as fans are likely to um, describe it or feel like a slump. I, I think that we are now prepared to draw and lose a couple, draw, win one, lose one over the next few weeks, and. There's been enough stock, as we just spoke about, um, built up between the fans and, and the players to go, actually, Villa, Villa are going to have a new manager bounce um, and we're going to have the, you know, Brentford are, have always given us problems in when, when we faced in this league um, the last couple of years and, and previous, you know, even successful campaigns. Um, so, yeah, we, we've, got to, we've got to accept that we're not going to win every game this season. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's likely that we are now about to have a, a more of a reality check thing, but I don't think it will feel as negative as last season where things really did fall off a cliff. Uh, I think Connor makes a good point that that first game back being Forrest away is is a really good litmus test in terms of what happens next because I think Forrest are in the playoffs in their third or fourth yeah. and unbeaten at home as well, I think. So it'll be interesting it is, to see their approach. Test. It'll be interesting to see their approach because both Derby and who have got promotion, you know, uh, Wishes themselves, um, and Stoke, who who have but uh, cannot believe that's going to happen with that shower of shit we saw on Saturday. They set up to stop us playing, uh, and and Forest is the home team as a team who themselves are in decent form, uh, scoring goals etc. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether or not they are willing to 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 sacrifice the ball as much as the teams that have tried to frustrate us have recently. If they if they use their international break to try and work on that. Then it'll be interesting. I feel that they, they're, if they go into the game and try and be like, no, we're going to impose ourselves on the game. They, we could really hurt them. But I, re- especially with Hernandez on the break. Yeah, they've got Karanka, so that makes me think they're going to be defensively fairly but okay. It's a more solid Forest team. There's no mm. doubt about that. But they are scoring goals and they are winning yeah. games. Um, if if they, like I say, it'd be interesting to see how much respect they they pay Norwich. Again, yeah. again, bearing in mind that. Anyone who's watched the tape of that game on Saturday has just seen the blueprint for how you blunt Farker's plan A, mm. and that he doesn't leave plan plan B until quite late. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the positive you can take out of this run is no, teams are now setting up to counter Norwich's approach as opposed to the other way around, which didn't happen last year. I think teams were still playing and Norwich were defending well, whereas this feels a lot more like Norwich is setting their game onto other teams as opposed to just put, scoring a goal, say Madison Worldy, and, and sticking ten behind the ball and, and hoping for a result. So. There's that to be positive about. I don't think it'll be a 10-game slump like it was last year, but I'm certainly bracing myself for three or four, maybe. Well, one other thing on if we do get a massive long slump, I think it is worth pointing out that um, the change in um, hierarchy at the club now um, does now give us that level of separation between Weber and Farker. They both came in within you know weeks of each other, yeah. um, but now there is no doubt about who is the more senior one. So therefore, the, the, the rhetoric at the club is much more likely to be um, it's not your recruitment gone wrong, it's Farker's deployment of that because the guy doing the recruitment is actually now in a real position of power. Um, so I think that that has short, that this move today has shortened the leash that Farker was on. Obviously, he's just lengthened it by this run of results. But should we hit a slump like that, that, that does affect how clearly the blame will, get, will pass to him. Andrew Reader on Facebook. 
do you think we're ready to be promoted? Always. That's, <clears throat> I don't think any club is never not ready to be promoted. If we got promoted with this side, would we get relegated? Probably. But Cardiff got promoted with their side. They look like they're going to be relegated. Huddersfield got promoted with a side that you'd said would have got relegated, survived, might get relegated. Because, of, because of the momentum that carried them through the start of the season. And, is, and, st- and staying up is about um, maintaining that momentum like Fulham seem to be doing. You don't, I think you... Football doesn't work in the way of you, you build a solid foundation and then you get promoted and then you're ready to stay there. Like When you get promoted, it's, you're basically starting at zero again and it's what you do from that point. So, yes... Every club is ready to be promoted, and no, no club is ready to be promoted because the gulf between the Premier League and the Championship is so vast. Bigger than ever. And you know, Cardiff seem to be displaying that on a weekly yeah. basis. Yeah. Well, yeah, and Fulham looked excellent last season in terms of the way they played, and you thought the way they played was ideally suited to the Premier League, and they're being picked apart like every single week. Newcastle, who blew the Championship away, right, they survived last season. Pretty much the same squad, awful this season. Huddersfield were probably the most impressive side that I saw at Carrow the season they got promoted. Really struggling this season. Like The gulf is so big that I don't think any club is ready, but I also don't think any club is not ready. City! Do you want me to ask this one? You, don't, well, like you're this. The, you're you don't like this one, do you? Uh, you're the one that picked it. Jamie from Twitter. Does Zimmerman have the best arms of any player in the history of the club? Well, I struggled to think back through the arms of the players of the club however which tells you did, how unimpressive they were I, well I couldn't tell you I couldn't draw you a picture of Zimmerman's arms I, I've not noticed his arms being particularly strong however I mean I presume this is a, 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 I, this is aesthetically rather than athletically because I've not seen him do any I think the two go hand curls. in hand do they though? yeah to a point I think you can be too muscly ok he's <laughs> straying into some strange forceful <laughs> situations today the one thing that I did think after realising that question was on the horizon um, was Robbie Brady during his uh, presentation at the football club uh, I do remember thinking them some decent biceps when he was doing the uh, frost arms pushing his biceps out to make them look big, bigger thing that many players do when the they're posing yeah when they're posing with the shirt and so I do remember them, and I liked Robbie Brady very, very much. So I'll say Brady's got better arms, but I'm really not. I'm going to take a question to judge somewhere slightly different and say Rob Green because he's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. What for Norwich or ever in your life? Uh, for Norwich in the <laughs> right. history of the club, but it's, that's implied. Is that does that include uh, longevity? You giving him longevity points, promotion points? Because I can think I'm of a couple. Everything. Who I think ability-wise are better. No, there aren't any. Okay. Brilliant. Uh, I like I like yeah, how some opinions are more valuable than others. Uh, Connor, would you like to, to answer Jamie's question about your favourite arms? Um, no, I remember Andrew Sermon having fairly impressive legs. But okay, maybe yeah. Enough said about that. Any limbs is fine. Yeah. We appreciate all limb talk on on come night. Uh, <laughs> ben Ambrose uh, takes it from uh, takes us from the bathroom into the kitchen <laughs> with <laughs> the question: sandwiches colon. Butter or no butter? It depends on the filling. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Never butter. No need. There's absolutely no need for butter ever in sandwiches. Connor? The filling. Connor, Connor, Connor is pulling a face as if Andrew is talking nonsense. I don't think I'll ever have a sandwich that doesn't have butter in it. Oh, Connor, think of your arteries, so. man. <laughs> so You don't need butter. I would, uh, for, for example, today I had a chicken, avocado and chilli jam sandwich. 
there was no requirement of spread because the chili jam effectively act acted as that. However, if you've got a particularly dry filling, um, then what, what sandwich filling are you having that's dry? Sometimes some roast chicken if you haven't got your, your chili jam or other wet condiment to go You're with it. You're putting mayonnaise in, aren't you? Corn beef. I don't always have corn beef. Corn beef. Corn beef. Corn beef. Corn beef. Corn He's basically 12. He lives in the 70s. Uh, spam. Actually, spam would be quite wet. I'll let you have butter with corned beef if, okay, if you're genuinely you. having corned beef sandwiches. Corn beef, lovely. Do you really? Yeah. yeah Does it still nice. come in a tin which you open with a oh, little no, kit? Oh, yeah, in a packet now. Oh, you can do, yeah, but I, I usually get it in a packet. Premium corned beef, you see. <laughs> I'm, really, I'm really glad we got you on, Connor. Um, right, a couple of other oh, things. Just those quickly. So Sorry, at this point, we need uh, Connor to decide which was the best question and win some stickers. Um, I think the sandwich one provoked the most debate, I must say. Ben Ambrose. Ben Ambrose, get in touch on Twitter and we'll send you some uh, uh, stickers. Thanks, Benny boy. So a couple other things uh, to wrap up before we move on to the quiz. Uh, just looking at uh, the teams that we've seen so far, either on the excellent um, Colin Murray show uh, or from that we've seen at Carrover or one of the away games, who do we think is going to win the league? Leeds. Okay. Soft spot plus Bielsa plus the fact they're doing well already. I'm not sure on Leeds. I, I think if you look at it at the moment, you go, yeah, they should do. Bielsa teams have a tendency to implode after Christmas because their squads are too small. So that makes me think Middlesbrough, just because they're sort of the run-of-the-mill championship side that are organised and grind out wins. But so they were so shit at Carrow Road. I know, but they're clueless. Oh, we made them look shit. Okay. Um, I would add into that as well... Uh, Brentford, who I think a lot of managers have been impressed by. I think almost every manager of a team who's played Brentford has said yeah. they're going to be there or thereabouts. And Sheffield United as well, I think, have really yeah. impressed me. I think yeah. they've really kicked on. They were impressive last season, and that could have been momentum, but I think they've kicked on again. And John Egan, I think, who they signed from Brentford, has really improved the way they move the ball, and I think they've been the most impressive. I will go with uh, Wesley Houlihan Brom. I think that West Brom are going to score too many goals to not go up automatically, mm -hmm. and I think they'll probably nick the title because they're just going to. If those three up front keep keep fit, they're just going to keep banging them yeah. in. Wes Brom. We move along to the final point of the agenda tonight: the ACN quiz. Connor making his debut on the podcast. In case you haven't uh, listened to every single one before. Um, you and for new listeners uh, it's six questions in a minute uh, we will move on uh, if you don't know one you can of course pass but bear in mind that we will then go back to the ones you got wrong again and again until okay. you get them right so don't take too long can I suggest at this point because poor John had to leave to go and tend to his sickly daughter don't have kids definitely um, can I suggest that to mix it up and to not put your minimal quiz effort to waste that we get three of punts questions each on the buzzer between us. Okay. Okay. So, first off, we'll go with you, Connor. The guest always okay. goes first. Your okay. six questions and your minute start. Now, which Premier League club has Peter Reid managed alongside Man City and Sunderland? Southampton. Incorrect. Who was the last Englishman to score a Premier League hat-trick that wasn't Kane or Rooney? Um, this is his era. Is it? Deli Ali. Incorrect. Which manager won the World Cup in 2006? Um, oh, it's a name, grey hair and glasses. It's not what I've got on the card. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it's, it's something like Lippy, but I don't think it is. Correct. It, it is, isn't it? Oh, Norwich on. have won the League Cup twice. Name one of the other teams that have also managed that. Um, one of the Sheffields. Sheffield United. Incorrect. Who used to play their games at Bank Street? Uh, Walsall. Incorrect. Which African player did Chelsea send to the World Cup in 2014? Stop! It's one, Connor. That was not, that was not a strong oh, but they performance. Were, I, in Connor's defence, they were quite tough questions. And even the Football League one, which or the Grounds one, which is normally my strong point, Bank Street. Mm. I didn't know it until today. It's filthy. I, I don't know. I think it must be proper old school. Um, so he played at Southampton. But Premier League ah, management, right. Peter Reid... Everton? No, Everton. Played Leeds. There as well, didn't he? Leeds. Yeah. The fantastic oh. Leeds team. Um, the last... And then after, he then went to Coventry, but that wasn't in the Prem. Um, who was the last Englishman to score a Premier League capture that wasn't Kane or Rooney? I haven't got a clue. Callum Wilson? Ago. Yeah. Oh. Martello Lippi, you got that was your one. Quite <laughs> I actually thought that was the hardest yeah. one of the lot. Plucked, that was. Um, the other teams to have won the League Cup twice: Arsenal, eighty-seven and Nope, Birmingham City, sixty-three in two thousand eleven, and Wolves, nineteen seventy-four and nineteen eighty. I won it definitely like just twice, not yeah. like at least twice. No, okay. just twice. Oh, okay. Who used to play their games at Bank Street? Manchester United. Ah, was that when they were New and Heath? Which African player did Chelsea send to the World Cup in two thousand and fourteen? Mate, I can't remember what I'm doing. Cameroonian. Samuel Eto. Oh, Sammy. So you've got one to beat, Lorne. I don't fancy my chances. <laughs> I'm uh, relying it, on this part of There is a very similar, uh, all, all the questions are a similar format, um, <clears throat> okay. like it is every week. Uh, so your time will start now. Who took over from Malky Mackay as Cardiff manager in the Prem in 2014? Um, pass. Who was the last Welshman to score a hat-trick in the Premier League? Gav Bale. Incorrect. Which manager won the World Cup in 1998? Ah, the French guy. Uh, Dominic? No. Uh, One of the teams to win the League Cup four times. Aston Villa. Incorrect. Who used to play their home games at Olive Grove? Oh, this is... <laughs> that is that's a kebab shop on Prison Wells Come on, Dad, pass. <laughs> Name one of the players Stoke sent to the 2014 World Cup Finals. Um, Peter Crouch. Incorrect. Who took over from Malcolm Mackay as Cardiff manager in the Premier in 2014? Uh, Lenny Lawrence. Incorrect. Who was the last Welshman <laughs> to score a hat-trick in the Premier League? Alan um, Ramsey. Correct. One. Which manager won the World Cup in 1998? Come on, you need this. The French guy. Who <laughs> managed France. Oh, right. Yeah. In 1998. Uh, time. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. We're going to have to go to a tie-break. Oh, no, Olive got Grove. the Grove. Sorry, yeah, so Olive Grove, Sheffield Wednesday. That's not true. Okay. Um, <laughs> Malcolm McCoy was replaced after a brief, like three or four day caretaker guy whose name I didn't know. Oh, Olive caretaker. Lenny Lawrence. David, David Kirkslade. Oh, that's it, a good may, show. It may well have been, but Olive Gunnar Solskjaer is what I would uh, have accepted. Oh, uh, of course he did, yeah. Aimé um, uh, Jacquet was the French 1998 guy. Uh, Half a point. N- no. Name, <laughs> name one of the teams to win the League Cup four times. You could have had Forrest... 78, 79, 89, 90, or Hotspur of the Tottenham variety, 71, 73, 99, 2008. Um, I said about Sheffield Wednesday playing at uh, the Olive Tree on Prince Wales Road. And <laughs> Stoke sent Jeff Cameron to the USA squad, Asmir Begovic to the Bosnian squad, uh, and Peter Odemwingi to the Nigerian squad. Oh. 
You've got half a point there as well, Peter. So, you're on 1-1, one, one, the buzzer round, to try and settle this. You're going to get punt questions, who unfortunately has had to leave through a tonsillitis, broken leg, good child. Um, good parenting, though. Fantastic parenting. Um, the, 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 the phone, the trouser pocket buzzed. He gave the universal size of, fuck, I've got to go. And he was out. He was out. Half he toddled. Yeah. Um, Top parenting, poor podding. Yeah. So we will, I will read you out the questions. There's obviously six. Please don't get two each. It'll be difficult. You're going yellow for your buzzer, Lorne. You're going army for yeah. your buzzer. Yeah. My word will be final. <laughs> Who was the last Italian before Conte to manage Chelsea? Yellows. Viali. Incorrect. Uh, Ranieri. Incorrect. Mancini. Incorrect. Oh, Di Matteo. Correct. Oh. <laughs> this format would make the pod go on a long They've time. They've had a lot of Italians, haven't they? They have, yeah. Well done. So you're now up to two. Come on. Who was the last Norwegian to score a hat-trick in the Premier League? Ooh. Teddy's never done it, has he? Uh, yeah, look. <laughs> Solskjaer. Who? Solskjaer. No. Oh, Josh King. Yes. Oh, because of the new completely made up format of the quiz, he gets a go before you get to buzz in. So <laughs> buzz just means you get one go. Right he's on. opened up a two point lead. <laughs> Who is the most recent team to have won their first and only League Cup? Birmingham. Incorrect. There's one two years after that. And they've also won two of them, or four of them. Hey. Yeah, they, they, want, they want to guess teams, or are we going yeah, with this? Well, new... no, Connor gets a guess. Connor gets a guess. Um, Try to use won the League Cup recently. Oh, I think I know. Um, Maybe. I was going to say Wigan, but they won the FA Cup, didn't they? I think say Wigan. <laughs> For the sake of the pod, I think you say. Oh, yeah, I'll say Wigan. It's wrong. Along quickly. Southampton? Incorrect. Oh, <laughs> they lost the final, didn't they? Right. Um, One more guess each, and then I'm calling that. Oh. Uh, Everton right. on the buzzer ready Welsh team Cardiff Swansea Swansea <laughs> <laughs> Swansea 2013 I'll give it you to make it interesting right there's one point lead in it uh, which Brazilian manager won the World Cup before Scolari um, oh, I can see his face I can't oh I don't think I think we know that we don't know Thomas. Okay. I don't know. That Carlos one. Alberto Pereira. So it's one in it with two questions to go. Who used to play their games at Hyde Road? Welling. Hyde Road. Play at Hyde something. Hyde Road. They used to play their games Hyde. at Hyde Road. Hyde. H Y D E. Mm-hmm. Like Hyde Park. Okay. Uh, I thought you were good at this. These sounds, are ridiculous. These are from like the nineteenth century, um, mate. Oh, Preston. Chelsea. No, no. no, they then moved to Main Road. Man City. Yeah, no. too late. You can't have that. So there's still one point behind. You need this oh, one morning. Is this a tiebreak question? This is, no, it's not a tiebreak question. I need this, this to get the sixth one. You need this to get to the tiebreak. Otherwise, right, right. Connor is victorious. Right. Um, name one of the players Burnley sent to the 2018 World Cup. Uh, Nick Pope. On the buzzer. Oh, Yami. Nick Pope. Correct. <laughs> you even had the 
opportunity and he still froze. No, I was being polite. He got that well played. He did. Right. And Johan Berg Goodmanson. Yeah, I was trying to well think of him. From Iceland. Been doing about so, Iceland. a fantastic, impressive. We're going to only give you one out of six because you only got one out of six. But oh, you get, you get the win. Thank you very, very much for joining us, Connor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, do check out Connor's writings. Um, is there anyone else you do it other than my football writer? Tottenham City. That's basically it now. Okay, that's, that's basically it. So now, basically, just yeah. both of our rivals. Yeah, so yeah. The other, they're, they're not rivals, they're friends. friends. They're chums. Sorry, um, guys. Lorne, uh, you write stuff on Long Come Norwich and you spout stuff on this podcast, and you're also my friend. It's very nice spending time with you. Listener, we really, really appreciate you listening to us. This podcast is dedicated to Michael Bailey and his family. We'll see you lot soon.